This show furnished by Key Light Counseling Center. Are you looking for an alternative to drug and alcohol rehabilitation that allows you to recover in the privacy of your own home with an individualized program that meets your specific needs? Concierge Detox LA can be that alternative. Headed by medical addiction specialist Dr. Damon Raskin and clinical psychologist Dr. Howard Gloss, Concierge Detox LA will design an individualized program to meet your recovery needs. For more information, contact Concierge Detox LA at 323-935-9712. to The Shrink and The Showman with Dr. G. I'm Dr. G, and I'm here with The Shrink, and my showman tonight is Wes Gear, and I'm excited to bring him on. I'll tell you all about him, and I'm also going to bring on Dr. Constant Scharf. And, you know, a lot of times we talk uh, about sort of uh, the show world and how drugs and alcohol affect a lot of people. We're going to hear a lot about that tonight. But before I bring on my guests, I wanted to share an anecdotal story with my audience about something I experienced recently when it came to uh, drugs and alcohol and being in show business. I'm working with a client and he has a problem with crystal meth and he's in the industry and one of the things that became evident when I was talking to him was that he was trying to explain a story to me and in his world in the world of crystal meth the story he was explaining to me made a lot of sense in my world as someone who was sober I actually couldn't follow him and didn't know what he was talking about but I kept telling him that I don't understand what the point of the story was and he got angry with me he got upset and then I had an interesting insight that I'm going to start off my conversation with my guest about is that I realized that we were living in two different worlds and there was a big disconnect. He was living in the world of uh, sort of his drug-induced <laughs> sensibilities and I was living in a sober world. He thought he was connecting with me in a brilliant way, but he wasn't. So the reason I think that's important is in therapy, I've heard from a lot of artists this notion of, well, Dr. G, you know, don't take away my my drugs or my alcohol because I won't be able to be creative. That's the source that makes me creative. But what I'm learning as I'm working with people is uh, it's actually a dead end to creativity. It cause, It's like a rat in a wheel. It causes you to create certain things over and over again, but you're working in a very small world and you're working a lot of times in a reality that doesn't make sense to other people. So we're going to take that off the excuses for being sober. Okay. Uh, for not being sober. Not being sober. Yes. Yeah, so so let me bring on my guest. I want to hear what he has to say about this. His name is Wes Gear, and he's the founder of Rock to Recovery, which we're going to talk about a lot during this show. He's also the founding member of the band Head PE and the touring guitarist with Corn with a K. With a K, yeah, <laughs> yes. yeah. So Wes, I want to welcome you to the Thanks show. Thanks for having me. And later on, we're going to bring on Dr. Constant Scharf, who's also involved with Rock to Recovery. Yeah. So as an artist, Wes, you just heard what I had to say. I'm wondering, I see it in you, you know, you're ready to go and jump and tell me your thoughts. So why don't we start out with that story and then get into what we're going to be talking about? Well, I'm vibrating from caffeine. Yes. That's my new crystal meth, <laughs> but it doesn't make me a weirdo or knock my teeth out. I will tell you that when my band was struggling head and uh, Limp Biscuit reached out to me, <clears throat> excuse me, to write some music with them and try out. And I had kicked meth. Okay. Which I got my first record deal on meth. And so I'm, I am this guy. Like, I, it was my elixir. I had all these crummy bands. I discover meth in this new band, and suddenly 
were the talk of the town in my artistry. So was, did you associate your success with the meth? Absolutely. And, the was it all and I would not take it away because I will not give meth all the credit, but it is absolutely some of the credit. And I'm, I have to be honest. Okay. Because whatever gets you in that place, it could be heartbreak, it could be whatever. You're in that place and that's where you created from. Um, but when I got that call from Limp Biscuit to cut, fly out, Right. First thing I did is like, oh, I better get some meth. And I was a mess. I got too tweaked out. Then I had to drink a bunch of Jägermeister, showed up to the thing. It was just a nightmare. The point is, like you said, at some point, you know, it works in the beginning and then it doesn't work. And then it, it turns on you. It turns on its master, if, if you will. And, it, and then you become the slave. And I, I love that concept because that's something you hear from, I hear from patients all the time. You know, I'm just looking for that initial high. I just want to go back to that place where I started with. And a lot of times you can't do that. Yeah. So the thought so you I try other things. Right. So the thought I have is you can't take away the annals of history, which there has been many artistic creations, whether it's music or anything, that have been when people are high on acid. We can't pretend that's not true okay. because people do get loaded and they have created stuff we've heard on the radio or whatever. But the point is, do you want to die? That's a great point. The, that's really what it comes down to for longevity. me. Are you going to be able to do that for 30 years? Yeah. The point is the creativity didn't come from the drugs. It came from you. So if it helped you get rid of some inhibitions, great. But you're the talent. You're the guy playing the guitar, not the meth. You're the painter, not the meth. So if by doing some meth, you got into some part of, you know, whatever. But this, your story you were telling me earlier about this guy is the same as me. I would work on a song, tweaked out. So in the beginning, it worked, and it gave me some... You know, we talk about liquid courage for social anxiety. It gave me some artistic courage, like, this sounds great, yeah. And some of the songs were great. By the end, though, I was killing myself, and I was spending three days on a song that was horrible, going, this is a masterpiece, right. like your guy. Yeah, but also, you brought up an interesting point psychologically, is that you have to trust yourself that you have the talent. Maybe the meth helped you get rid of the inhibition, but the right. talent was actually yours, and you needed to own it. And that could be frightening for a lot of people. As much as it could be liberating. Yeah. Do you want to live your life as a tweaker? I mean, come on. You, you know <laughs> it just what I mean? comes down to that. Yeah. You want to be a gentlemanly, artistic tweaker? It's like at some point, but this is the same. The, we're talking about artists right now, but this is the same for all addiction is you got to learn to live life on your own. So it could be the guy at the gym who likes whatever, ephedra, I don't know. It could be the mom at home who has to have her glasses of wine to handle the children. The point is, it's going to turn on you. It's not It's not creating the muscle. You have to develop the muscle on Just your like own. Just like at the gym, you use the gym metaphor right now. You have yeah. to be able to go to the gym and work out. And maybe at the beginning, you're not bench pressing 300 pounds, yeah. but you're, you're building up that muscle. But then it's your muscle. Then it's your muscle. And then what you find is people through time. And so, so really it speaks to this, the delusion. It says in some of the literature for alcoholism that our alcoholic life seemed the only normal one, meaning like what we are doing seemed to be normal. So suddenly it's normal. I just do a little meth and I write songs. That's not normal. But you look at people like Trent Reznor who have done incredible records once they get sober and the list goes on and on and on. And we have to realize, do you want to have to rely on that crutch? Do you want to rely on the, the strong man to carry you across the river? Or do you want to learn to swim across the river under your own abilities? And that is where the true genius is. 
So in your own process, in your own experience, when yeah. you decided that you were going to carry your own yeah. uh, your own journey, I'm curious if you could share with our audience sort of what brought you to that moment when you decided to give up the meth and when you decided to get sober. Well, the first time, though, I gave up the okay, the meth get, felt like, quote, it gave me the record deal for right. a head. And, and so the first album, if you listen to it, it sounds like a tweaker record. The second record, when I got off the meth, we right. made the best record of our life. We literally did. Um, but then I had some other, you know, addiction in and out, in and out of sobriety and whatever. And then um, when I got out of the music business, it was six years I was out and I was struggling to stay sober again and stay sober. Finally, three years in of my second bout of sobriety, that's when I got the gig with Korn. Okay. So to the artists out there, thinks you can't be creative anymore. My brain, again, telling me the lies. This is something I speak to all the time when I'm talking about addiction and recovery. Our brain has us believing these lies, right? You can't do music and be sober. I got the corn gig because I was sober. They wanted a sober guitar player. And maybe, you know, I'm thinking of it in psychological terms, too, is that you're your other big success when you were tweaking, when you get this success, you might look at that success and then try to sort of think that that's the only way I could have success again. And then it's interesting that you had enough period to realize you didn't have to do it that way again. Well, for me, it was life or death. It was not an option. But that's what you keep bringing back to. And that's what I want our audience to hear, that at some point it's going to kill you. It's not a sustainable life. Yeah. It is not a sustainable life. Now, there's some, and this is why so many people die and why people have problems with 12 step programs or whatever. Some people can control and do harm reduction and, and regulate their use on their own. I can't speak to that. I'm a guy who, even when it felt like I was keeping it in control, like I haven't done the myth, right. but it's I'm only drinking. And right. yeah, yeah, the, yeah, it's been two weeks. Therefore, two I, do, weeks. I don't have a problem. So let's do some meth to celebrate the fact I haven't done meth. Or I'm going to have a bunch of drinks to celebrate. I've done, I haven't done a bunch of meth. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, yeah. So for me, I cannot, I will die if I continue to use. And so you I know, know your that. own truth. I know my own truth. And then there's another thing in the re literature I like to reference is that p many pursue this concept through the gates of insanity or death, right? Trying to prove they can drink or use like a normal person. But who uses meth like a normal person? Well, it, it's sort of, it, it, it's antithetical. It doesn't really make sense, meth and normal person. Right. So tell me a little bit about that experience. So you're sober and you got this uh, amazing job with corn. Yeah. What was that experience like? What was the first thoughts that went through your mind? Yeah. Man, it was, uh, well, okay, so I had my first band head, chased record deal. This is back when record deals were a big deal. That's what you had to do. You had to make it, quote unquote, you right. know, doing the air quotes now. So we chased it for 10 years, bunch of bad bands. We get signed. Yay. We're struggling. We kind of hit, you know, we toured with some big bands. We crash and burn out of that. So I get almost three years sober. I stop working on my recovery. I relapse. Then at about, and I was overdone with music as I was talking about earlier, uh, but it was so painful for me to watch bands play. I would go out sober. I'm working a good sober program and it would hurt my stomach. Yeah, because you knew that's who you were. I knew, and it wasn't an ego thing. Like, uh, no, no, it was like my, my soul was like, you are supposed to play still. Yeah. And I knew it was a soul thing and not an ego thing. And I think that's an important thing uh, too. Yeah, I definitely want to talk about that. The difference between soul and ego. Yeah. And so I started praying and meditating, doing this awe meditation for manifestation uh, to bring, to get back into music. Like, I want to get back into music. Within 10 days, Korn reached out to me, hey, you want to come play with us? And I was like, what the heck? This meditation stuff. Yeah, this so is working. <laughs> it's positive. Yeah. I have so many stories about that, though. I could I spend a whole show on them, but I won't do it. Okay. 
But so many weird things, like, quote, weird things started aligning and da-da-da-da-da-da, and is to where it made me a believer for this, like, you know, higher power universe and law of attraction and all that, because I've worked it again and again in my life. So the point was, my brain said, you'll never play music again. I decided to get back in the music, and I told the universe, I will not get in the van and be a 40-something, you know, van writer punk band. If I'm getting in music, better be a good band. Corn hits me up. The point is, they wanted a sober guitar player, but it took me months to get that gig because they weren't sure about the guy they had and should we get rid of him who you know this west guy we know him and because i was sober i chased him around the country i recorded myself i went that next level which i would never do if i was even a stoner yeah that's so important that you went that extra sort of mile you you, you really went for it i have a i have I, a whole theory on that too i want to hear about you want to hear that i'll try to <laughs> nutshell it I analyzed the skirt. We'll be on for four hours, but yes. it'll be an amazing four hours. <laughs> yeah. Actually, we're going to have to take break to commercials when we no get problem. back. We got about six things I want to cover okay. here, but it's the difference between being uh, ego and soul yeah. and really going after what it is that you want. That, to me, is so fascinating to explore. Yeah. That, to me, is the difference between a real artist and somebody who's out for it for other stuff. I'm Dr. G. We're going to be back right after the commercials. Are you looking for an alternative to drug and alcohol rehabilitation that allows you to recover in the privacy of your own home with an individualized program that meets your specific needs? Concierge Detox LA can be that alternative. Headed by medical addiction specialist Dr. Damon Raskin and clinical psychologist Dr. Howard Gloss, Concierge Detox LA will design an individualized program to meet your recovery needs. For more information, contact Concierge Detox LA at 323-935-9712. to The Shrink and The Showman with Dr. G. I'm Dr. G and we're here with The Shrink and The Showman. Tonight we're talking to Wes Gear and we're focusing on his work in Rock to Recover. He's a founding member of the band Head P.E. and touring guitarist with Korn. And uh, before the commercial, Wes, you brought up something that I wanted to elaborate a little bit more on. This concept of, you know, I had this soul calling that I knew I had to do, even though I was in recovery. Once I got sober enough, I knew that I had to perform again. I had to play. That's who I was. And then you said it wasn't an ego thing. And I thought about that because I hear that worry from a lot of artists, let's say, in therapy. And I find that the ones that are truly artists, that is their passion, their calling. They can be it's just there's just no concept of being without it where a lot of people that are in it and i'll say this is sort of for the wrong reasons they don't really worry about their ego they just do it because they want the fame they want everything and i have found that those people actually sometimes have a harder part with recovery because they have to use the substances as a way to keep bolstering their sort of uh inflated egos so so I'm just going to tell you, don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I see what you did there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's a long-winded speech from a shrink who gets paid by the hour. <laughs> <laughs> ding. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah, ding. Uh, we're out of time now. We're out of time now, I and I'll see you talk. next week. <laughs> I didn't get to talk about my mom. Yeah, and you're like, I don't know what he's talking about, but it sounds interesting. <laughs> Actually, um... Again, I was curious, you know, you hear a lot of this talk about, you know, I hit my rock bottom and that's what made me change. So I'm curious uh, about your experience around that and how the change happened, because it's very different for a lot of people and important for our audience to hear 
what people go through. What about the soul and the ego? Yeah, that's important too. Well, the the ego, Sorry, the ego is. I forgot what I was talking. About. That's okay. I'll, I'll do both. The ego is in the mind, and it's based in fear. The ego is trying to keep you safe. It's trying to show where your place in the world is. The ego is like, no, no, see, you're, you're good. No, and you're better than them, right? It's this argument you have. It's all based in fear. The soul is either based in your heart. You can feel it. For me, it was in my gut. Like in the pit of my stomach was like, dude, you are not done. You yeah. owe it to yourself to be up there. And it wasn't my brain going like, I'm as good as those guys. It wasn't any of that. It wasn't like, what's my place in the world? It was just like a calling. Yeah, so it wasn't about comparing yourself to other people. It was just a calling. Yeah, I just felt it in my gut that, and and you know we talk, but that's a that's a you know that's a psychic instinct that we all have that we talk about. Um, yeah, so that's where I felt it, and then and and then, and then the part about sort of your rock bottom that made that change because you made an interesting connection at the break. Yeah, well, so what you know. What's a rock bottom? Rock bottom is when you stop digging. And if you want, you can hit your rock Great bottom metaphor. and then and then you can create a new rock, a new bottom. There's a trap door in your rock bottom. So this concept that you've hit some spot that's your rock bottom that you'll never no, go to. No, it's more like then, the rock keep bouncing down. Right? Yeah, yeah. So for me, it's when I was out of options. I was painted in a corner or like a dog backed into a corner with nowhere else to go. And everybody's level of no, quote, nowhere else to go is different. For me, I'm a baby. I had spent so much time homeless in my car and stuff. I wasn't going to do that again. I wasn't going to be jobless with no income and just it was too scary for me so my family intervened in a you know loose intervention if you will and uh, said you know we've given you enough chances to change your ways you haven't done it you got to go to rehab your my brother fired me I was working for him at the time so I had nowhere else to go and I was I, I barely graduated high school you know so right. it was too scary even then I had like two grand in my bank account I thought maybe I'll just go to Thailand and ride elephants that's what I should do <laughs> so the point is I still was weighing my options and a lot of people who come into recovery are still weighing their options you know what I mean you're gonna go you hear stories like you're gonna go to jail for 10 years or you can go to this rehab program I don't know jail or but it's rehab. not gonna happen to me <laughs> I know but then you get it's not gonna happen to me or yeah that's why a lot of times to you hear of people going through rehab you know five six seven times because I think they're still using rehab as those options. Like, I'm yeah, not, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so for me, I was like, you know what? It's I'm out of control. I had this. Then they have the other thing that goes. I think with the rock bottom is the moment of clarity. It finally hit me. Like, dude, you are out of control. And I cried. I could almost go back to that place and cry right now. I realized that I was 100% out of control of my own life. Even though I had a record deal and a job making 60k, and I looked semi-decent and could get some chicks but the point is my life was out of control I couldn't predict with any accuracy what was gonna happen day to day and you talked about getting this job with corn and then you had to be sober that's an interesting pressure that was put on you it came the other way I was almost three years into my second bout of sobriety and then I got the offer to go play with corn and the great irony was instead of my brain saying you can't do you'll never do music again cuz you're sober they were fed up with a guy who's now dead from drinking because he was out of control and he was new to the business and uh, they wanted a sober guitar player. So I got that job because I was sober. And after chasing it for six months, when I finally got it, the official word, I was sitting in a Starbucks in like yeah. North Carolina and just bawled my brains out. I mean, bawling. 
because that was the long journey from 15-year-old West chasing the record deal, crashing and burning, losing head PE, sobriety, trying to get sober, and then almost three years, and then finally getting the biggest gig of my life because I was sober. And at that moment, you're like, there is this sobriety and this God, and yeah. Talk about that moment just a little bit more, like where it all sort of came together. What what was coming together for you in your head? Well, I'm getting chills right now. You know, the way I got sober was believing in the spiritual program okay. and believing that I'm cleaning, you know, to use a metaphor that's maybe a little more palatable for people who are afraid of the word God or spirituality or whatever. Is I had a Wi-Fi uh, frequency that was really messed up with shame and guilt and remorse and low self-esteem and resentments. So how could I connect to anything in this world being afraid of everything and just mad and hurt by the world? So once I started to work on that, right. clean up my past, you know, make amends to people, I started to feel the love and connections in the world. So that was kind of the past. So when I'm following the spiritual path and I've heard stories of people going, I was a junkie eating out of trash cans, but I did these 12 steps and now I own an advertising agency and I'm married and my, I was a prostitute and now I run a law firm. Like, I heard these stories. I was a believer. And then you were going to become one of those stories. And so I'm like, what else do I got to try? Right. Let me try this to the best of my ability. And then sure enough, I kept hearing these stories of people getting the, quote, best job of their life in recovery. And it happened to me too. Wait, 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 wait. So I followed the spiritual path that y'all said was going to work for me. And at 40-something years old, after being out of music for six years, I got the biggest job of my life in the music business because I was sober. I know, that's the irony, isn't it? And, and you know, one of the things as I'm listening to you, I'm thinking about is so many people that I've worked with in recovery, there's so much doubt about believing in their, themselves. Like you said, they're so riddled with feelings of shame and guilt, or uh, especially around artists concerned about their... Uh, creativity or ability to express themselves and then you know there is this path of a spiritual path of truly believing in yourself and that you have the talent and that you have the ability to make it sober as you are and I want to say you know with all the good and the bad and the, <laughs> the good the bad and the ugly whatever it is and then you finally comes together and it's so cathartic because mm. it happens in a way that's so powerful because you really did believe in yourself on some level you said that light whatever it was was strong enough to come through and it put you on a whole nother path yeah and that's such a powerful experience for someone so as a therapist a lot of times what you try to do is get rid of all the brush <laughs> yeah so someone can have that experience yeah. and I, I just want to say I know you're doing that in your in your work with rock to recovery so feel free to talk about that also yeah, well, well, for me, it was a binary decision. I had all, I, you know, people would go, oh, spirituality, I need something more concrete. Okay, let's go with the data. You've got years of experience of right. what you're getting loaded got you. So there's your data. Now you want to run an experiment? Run the experiment that I ran. I ran the experiment that these other people ran that it happened to be 12 step experiment. And they said, these are the results they got. So scientifically, I ran the experiment of the 12 steps to see if I got the results and I did. Okay. So there's science there. That's what science is. Do this and- Science is data. Science is Statistics, do this to sequence and see if you get the result, right? Yeah, and, and I agree with you. I think that's very powerful, too. But a lot of times, in my experience, I want to hear in your experience, you got to get a person to that place that they have an emotional experience about something because they don't really change till they have that emotional experience. The data is great. It brings them to a place. Yeah. But then you got to get them to go through with it. Yeah. And you got to give them the support that they need to be able to follow through. 
Well, once I started creating more clarity and presence in my life that, you know, I don't remember them now, but you start getting these little experiences like uh -huh. running into that friend who's a sober friend just at that time you need them, getting that phone call at just the right time. You start to see all the synchronicity in your life. And for me, I call it the vortex of radness versus circling the drain. Actually, we're going to take a break in a moment. Okay. Can you remember that? That There's is such so a much. great... The, we say that again? The, the vortex of radness. Oh, I think it's opening up in theaters near you right it, now. And it's right? coming. <laughs> it's coming. PG-13. The vortex of radness coming with uh, Wes Gear and Dr. Constance Scharf. Yeah. I'm Dr. G. We're going to be back right after commercials. looking for an alternative to drug and alcohol rehabilitation that allows you to recover in the privacy of your own home with an individualized program that meets your specific needs? Concierge Detox LA can be that alternative. Headed by medical addiction specialist Dr. Damon Raskin and clinical psychologist Dr. Howard Gloss, Concierge Detox LA will design an individualized program to meet your recovery needs. For more information, contact Concierge Detox LA at 323-935-9712. ABC. You're listening to The Shrink and the Showman with Dr. G. I'm Dr. G, and I'm here with The Shrink and the Showman. Uh, before I bring uh, Wes back on, I wanted to mention something about one of our sponsors and a close friend of mine, uh, Tanya McKenzie. She runs Sand & Shores PR. Now, Sand & Shores PR is a boutique firm, and they're pretty amazing because one of the things they do is they love to take real lives and establish a stronger connection with their target audience, pretty much what we're doing here on the show. So if you want an authentic experience with a PR firm, Contact Tanya at Sand and Shores, and she'll help you master your message, increase your brand awareness through media, community relations, and client services. So that's Tanya McKenzie at Sand and Shores, or you can also call her at 424-262-1920. That's 424-262-1920, and that's Sand and Shores, and ask for Tanya McKenzie. So before the break, Wes, we're just going to talk about this for two minutes, okay. you know, because I know you have this film opening up soon <laughs> called The Vortex of Radness. Can you tell us what that's about? People are literally going to start Googling I know, it. I know. <laughs> okay, it's best explained when you start with circling the drain. When I was in my addiction, my world got smaller. You know, at first we think like, oh, drugs and getting loaded makes our life big and our mind. It got smaller and smaller and everything I touched, it would get screwed up and people were kicking me out. My life's falling apart. So like a, vo like like a vortex. Right. Yeah, like going down the drain. But then when you get, we talk about, you were talking about people having experiences in their recovery or whatever to help redefine where they're at. Well, that was my experience when I started getting into recovery is these serendipitous, synchronistic, like, quote, coincidences, which we also call God shots would happen. For example, I'm trying to get the corn gig. But I made, I had to go make amends to my father who lived in Alturas, which is three hours north of Reno with the last of my money because I told him I was going to make right some of the stuff I had done in the past. But I, my brain says, you can't do that. You got to get this corn gig. It's the biggest gig in the world. No, recovery comes first. So I get off the plane in Reno. You come first. Recover me. Yeah, yeah, yeah my yeah. recovery comes right. first, right? Because you could, you could be... Good you or recovery? No, you. okay, yeah. no, that's a good point. So, so I go to make amends to my father in Reno because I had to put my recovery first. When I get off the plane in Reno, guess who's playing there that night? 
Corn. Corn. That's the vortex of radness. Or, for example, in Rock Recovery, which we'll talk about, I had this. Right now, we're going to talk about it. Right. Yeah, so, so the corn gig's going away, and I wanted to figure, I was screwed again. Like, I felt screwed. Like, I'm a sober musician and in my 40s. What the heck do I do now? I went back to my spirituality. Okay, if that's who I am, how do I help people make a living? Okay. This idea came to me. When you're in rehab, there was no music. There was yoga. There's all this other stuff. Maybe you can bring music into rehab. I created a new form of music therapy. Can, can you tell me what it was? What's your new form? I'm curious. Well, I call it a new form. What we do is we, we create a band with the clients. So I'll walk in. I'll take 12 clients who've never played anything in their life. And we'll have a check-in question based on the recovery or whatever they're going through, eating disorder. And we will go deep and emotionally, right, and get them to really open up. That will become their lyrics. And then we get, no matter how dark, and then we get into the hope on the chorus. And by the end of an hour, I will teach them all the instruments. They'll be singing and playing, and we'll record that song. So everybody's playing. They're getting, and so for people that don't know, we all love music, but when you play music, it lights up your entire brain. Listening right, lights right. up it, half. It, yeah. Okay. So it starts releasing, it starts, it accesses the, the pharmacy in your brain, literally. So it no, gets no, endorphins. Neurologically, yes. I know. Serotonin, yeah. new neural pathways, new experiences are created. So I watched people go from dope sick with physical illness and suicidal ideation in one session playing a shaker being like excited right. about life again like that's how transformative it was so, so it's having that powerful effect both physiologically and psychologically because what yeah. you've done is you've taken someone it's very similar to what you try to do in the therapy well you are it's therapy but you, yeah. you're adding the element of music to it and the cathartic group experience of creating this this thing that never existed before and people exactly. not knowing that they could have it and also a sense of pleasure and enjoyment it's a lot of fun and they're scared and they're challenging yeah, themselves right. and they're completing them something they're doing something they didn't think they could do they're connecting as a group there's so many levels there's so many levels because you know addiction a lot of times is about detachment the opposite of the addiction, addiction is, is, connect is, is connection. connection. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, we got it. Exactly. <laughs> so are we going to create a song by the time the show is we, over? We just did. Yes, we did. Yeah. What's it called? <laughs> so so okay. Rock to Recovery um, has a non-profit profit segment of business. I wanted to be able to take these services to places like indigent rehab, state-funded programs that would never get them, VAs, etc., so how we fund that is with this event we do every year. By the way, Rock Recovery now is in four states and gets flown internationally with the Department of Defense to work with wounded warriors like at Rammstein in Germany. We do 500 sessions a month. I have a staff of sober rock stars that do it all over. We work with 100 treatment programs. So this event... <clears throat> yeah, and so tell, tell our audience where the event is. It's happening here in L.A. Uh, pretty soon, August 24th. Yeah, so what I, it was, it's two tiers. I wanted to raise money for the nonprofit. I wanted to showcase the talented guys we have on staff, staff with Rock Recovery. But also I wanted to create the coolest sober event around. Because when I was getting sober, going to backyard parties with a couple other newcomers who are five days sober, drinking a bunch of Red Bulls, I was like, this can't be my life now. So... What we do is we honor rock stars and celebs who are in recovery. This year we're honoring Katie Seagal from Married with Children and Sons of Anarchy, who, by the way, is an incredible singer. 
Get well, to, she got her start as a backup singer for Bette Midler. Yes. I know and that. And then turned into this prolific actor. And mm -hmm. then there's John Feldman, who sings for Goldfinger. But what people don't know is he also has produced Blink-182, The Used, Panic at the Disco, all the favorite records people have in that genre. The Sacred Sons will play our band. Shavo from System of Down is going to play with us. The guys from Train will come out. It's a 100% sober event. There'll be celebrities like I have Sports Illustrated swimsuit models there, guest models. We got we had Dr. Drew down last year. It'll be a so we wanted to take the recovery community, the 12 step, the wounded warriors, all that and put it together in one beautiful A-list event. You know, this is a good time to actually bring on Dr. Constance Scharf because she's very involved in what you're doing. And as a fellow psychologist, she can also add to it as far as sort of the psychological journey that you've created. So she has letters behind her name. Yes. And I only has. have J.R. <laughs> Not as doesn't carry as much clinical clout. You have you have corn with a K, and that's an inside joke now. Actually, why don't you share with our audience why we came up with the name corn with a K? Well, I didn't do it. No, it was, I did. You did because, because you had corn someone, with a C. someone who. Oh, we had a producer that was here and said that he met someone who said they played with corn, and you said they didn't. Yes. And then we had an inside joke that, well, maybe that was corn with a C, yes. not corn with a K. But, uh, Constance, I want to, first of all, welcome you to the show. Thank you. And it's a pleasure to have you back on, and I'm so excited about this event. So we just heard Wes talk a little bit about it, about uh, his inspiration and motivation. I also thought uh, you could tell our audience a little bit about how you're involved with the organization. Sure. So I work on the nonprofit side for the most part. I am the vice president of business development. And so I help to bring uh, new rock stars into uh, the organization and get us into new different types of facilities. Because the beautiful thing about music, you know, people assume that music is recreation. And as you and Wes were just talking about, it's actually therapeutic to play music and sing. And the, the neurological benefits are tremendous and so the beauty of music is it works on everyone with a brain you don't have to be in an addiction treatment center a mental health facility a VA hospital or an eating disorder to clinic for it to work for you you know if you are having a bad day and your favorite song comes on the radio and you belt it out you feel better so we're working to get this programming into a lot of new areas to help different kinds of people like youth and and others who can can benefit from early interventions with music therapy. Yeah, yeah, and you know, it can also, I was thinking that a lot of times, even if you're not necessarily depressed at the moment or feeling anxious, being able to belt out a song could also uh, open you up a lot creatively, too. It almost can bring you to, let's just say, you know, higher plateaus. Mm -hmm. So. Absolutely. Well, on the on the for-profit side of the business, one of the complaints that we got from the public is you don't have anything public facing. So someone who would just benefit from that boost to creativity or working through, you know, some sort of regular sort of emotional block that's keeping them from living their best life, from being their most creative self. We weren't offering that. And we've just started offering uh, soul song workshops so that the public can get involved, too in a way in addition to our benefit show. Yeah, I could think so much how many times like this would be beneficial to have, you know, even in a work setting to be able to get people to be more productive. You know, yeah. here's a 15 minute singing break. Yeah. yeah. 
or coalesce as a as an entity. You know what I mean? We do right. we do corporate workshops. We do the soul song workshop where we're wrapping it up with deeper uh, emotional work. You know, even physical and emotional traumas, and then bringing that out as lyrics into the song. It's very powerful. Yeah, so that's kind of interesting because I like what you said at the beginning where you said, you know, I'll bring out that emotional trauma, those deep feelings, but then there'll be some sort of resolution. You're not just leaving people feeling raw. You're actually trying to find at the end like some sort of uh, insider resolution to the experience. Right. And when somebody who's discovered that they had an emotional block because of some maybe insignificant uh, instance with their father or mother as a child, and that ends up as a lyric in a song they're singing very powerful and so uh why don't you shout out give us the information the specifics about where the event's going to be and time etc fonda theater in hollywood right off the 101 in hollywood boulevard beautiful old theater it's saturday august 24th we'll do doors at 7 p.m and red carpet show will kick off by eight no later um that's pretty much it you can get tickets on axs apple x-ray Sam.com. <laughs> well, we still have one more segment, so we're going to be okay. able to repeat it again. Yeah. Okay. And Constance, hang on. We're going to bring you back on again. I'm Dr. G. We're going to be back right after the commercials. Are you looking for an alternative to drug and alcohol rehabilitation that allows you to recover in the privacy of your own home with an individualized program that meets your specific needs? Concierge Detox LA can be that alternative. Headed by medical addiction specialist Dr. Damon Raskin and clinical psychologist Dr. Howard Gloss, Concierge Detox LA will design an individualized program to meet your recovery needs. For more information, contact Concierge Detox LA at 323-935-9712. The Shrink and the Showman with Dr. G. I'm Dr. G, and I'm here with The Shrink and the Showman. I want to mention again that I told you about my friend Tanya McKenzie, and uh, she is the uh, head of Sand and Shorts PR firms. And one of the things I love about this woman is that she's going to do a lot about what we did right now. She's going to get to know you, know you personally, and then she's going to create a program for you that's going to be individualized and it's going to reach out there and your brand is going to be you. And that's something she's amazing at doing. So if you want to discover more about her and her work, she's at Sand and Shorts and that's uh, 424 Two six two one nine two zero. That's four two four two six two one nine two zero. And of course, we're talking about Rock to Recovery tonight, and it's on Saturday, August twenty fourth, two thousand nineteen. So it's uh, it's coming right up. If you want to get your tickets, you can go online and find them at Rock to Recovery. And again, that's Saturday, August twenty fourth, two thousand nineteen, at the Fonda Theater and. Also, I wanted yeah. to mention uh, Keylight Publishing Services. Uh, if you're interested in writing a book or want to uh, know about the whole book writing process, you got to get in touch with these people. It's from planning, ghostwriting, editing, formatting. They're going to take your concept and make it real and make it publishable. For more information, contact the Keylight Company at 323-935-9712. You can check out their website at keylightcompany.com. 
And uh, that brings us to Wes. Yeah. And one of the things I wanted to mention briefly that really kind of drives me crazy is that so many times when school programs want to save money or the government wants to save money, the first thing to do is a cut in arts education. And I know Constance is online, and I know she probably has strong feelings about this. But Very. I know this from the research that I've read, that even for students that, let's say, are not artistically inclined, just learning about music or theater, etc., it helps you a lot with complex thinking and what's called executive functioning and problem solving, and it, lets, it, it helps with that creativity. And you could apply that a lot of times, whether you're a business student or a law student or anything, it's just going to make you a much better thinker. We don't really teach people enough how to think, and that's what I think the arts offers. And apart from allowing people who have the great talent to uh, perfect their talent, so that's my beef. And uh, Constant, your thought, and then Wes. Yeah, I, I'm always. It hurts my heart when, when arts are cut because here's the thing about the arts. You don't have to do it well to have the medical and psychological benefits. No, not at all. You don't have to play like Wes plays to have the benefits. Yeah! Right? You don't have to be that top 1% of guitar players to have the benefits. What happens, though, is when a child, especially someone under the age of 25, because our brain development is really at its fullest at 25, but up till that point, the brain is wildly changing and pruning in our teenage years especially. So when children are playing music and singing and involved in other forms of expressive arts, their brains actually develop in a healthier, fuller way. They get better neural pathways. In fact, we know that the brains of musicians, not the brains of good musicians. Are you listening, the Wes? Brains of, the brains of musicians. Mine's <laughs> huge. No, he, he loves this part. The brains of musicians are larger and better connected between the hemispheres than the brains of non-musicians. Take Playing that. music and singing Especially has the frontal a lobes. profound impact. Yeah. And, and you know, I don't know, I don't know the, quite the research on this, but I know there's a lot of research going in the opposite way, that because of all the, the, the social networking and kids on their phone, that their brains are developing in negative ways a lot of times. So having a music education can actually help counter balance some of what's going on in all the, the all these little these kids being on their devices yeah oh absolutely it's true and we know that that children who have a music education are better at math they're better communicators that's the they're point i was making the board yeah, yeah exactly wes i was well what she just said better communicators this is what i'd like to say we always look back as a society and go how stupid were we 20 years ago when women couldn't vote or cigarettes were supposed to be good, whatever. I think truly the education system, I think the thing we're really missing here is we get so into like uh, technical knowledge and, you know, Pythagorean theorem, et cetera. But what about the emotions? The number one thing that people struggle with that really inhibits them more than intellectual knowledge is the ability to process emotions and feelings. And that's what music and the arts are. So I think if you get people to not just play a song by Chopin or just learn how to paint, but understand the emotion and the process that's in a play or in a book or a novel, that I think is the part we're really missing out on as a society. And music, for sure, is emotion in frequency. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. You know, a lot of times I'll hear from patients, you'll get someone who maybe has a super high IQ, they're very successful. But yet they can't perform and they can't produce because they're 
they can't connect to any kind of emotion. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, without the emotional health, a lot of times you're, and it's very frustrating. A lot of those people end up very depressed in offices, probably like myself or Constance, because they can't figure out, well, they know they're really smart, but they're so disconnected. And yeah. with the disconnection also comes a lack of creativity. Yeah. So uh, tell us again about the event. And we're really excited if people want to find out more about it, Constance, or Wes, and we want to support it a lot here on the Dr. G Show. Well, the, the, we lose the biggest killer of our youth right now is addiction. Absolutely. And this is the coolest sober event around. So if you want to help support the sober community, this is a good way to do it. We also, also work with wounded veterans in a big way and with mental health. So that's one reason to come out. But it's just a really beautiful uh, night at the Fauna Theater. Goldfinger's playing, Sacred Sun, some guys from Train and System of a Down. We're honoring Katie Seagal, as we said, and John Feldman. I'll be there. Constance will be there. Some celebs. I'll be there. You'll be there. I'll be there. Dr. G on Dr. the red G carpet. On the red carpet. He's going to wear satin and lace. Uh-oh. <laughs> now you're giving up way too much information. Oh, I blew your cover. <laughs> It's okay. It's a radio. I can have a big cover here. <laughs> so this funds yes. the work our nonprofit does to take music and the healing elements of music and music therapy into the community. And Constance, what else would you like to add, dear? We also have, for people who can't get to the event, we have an online auction, so you can participate that way, or you can make donations uh, to the nonprofit directly at rocktorecovery.org backslash donate. And if you miss any of that information, you can also contact me, Dr. Howard Gless at live.com, and I will forward the information to Wes and Constance. And yes, sir. You can, we're all over the social medias, <laughs> Rock. Two with a T O Rock Two Recovery. We're on Facey Bookie and My and MySpace. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. We're on Instagram. Come give us a DM. Actually, there should be a word that covers it all. We're on Facebookie Gram. <laughs> <laughs> We're on all that stuff. Right. We have a few minutes left. Um, Wes, I want to ask you a question. If you just met someone and they said to you, in the most heartfelt way, if you could express something to them about you know wanting to get sober and wanting to find a reason to do it based on your own life experience what would you say to them that despite what your head is telling you the magic of recovery is beyond your wildest dreams that the world here's what i love to say in meetings for me i started getting loaded as a teenager so the world had never seen i had never seen a high functioning deal with the trauma and resentments and fear all that sober in recovery west gear think about it uh, the, the you didn't know who that person was the world had never seen it so if you're an addict or you're struggling with booze or drugs the world you have never seen you recovered at the highest because it's not just about here's what people forget it's not just about stopping drinking that's what your band-aid is for the greater symptom which is you're struggling with life in general so we put down the booze and the drugs and we turn into this best version of ourselves we've ever seen and there's no end to how great you can become and i want to say this to a lot of people out there that that can be a very scary and fearful experience to let go of something that you've known your whole life and then go into something new and that is a process and that's why it's so important to get the professional help you need go to the meetings that you need to do get the support that's going to take you through that process 
because um, it's a pretty scary process for a lot of people, but it's worth it. It's scary, and then and, and then it's also exciting. Well, and people want to do it alone. But if you're trying to if you're trying to make a million dollar company, you would hang out with million dollar company dudes. If you're trying to build a boat, you hang out with boat makers. You're trying to be sober, go hang out with people who are stoked on their sober life. You know, I say that to piss all the time. I said nobody does anything on their own. Yeah. Uh, Constance, we have about a, a minute or two left. Uh, what are your final thoughts? What would you say to someone as far as inspiring them to get sober? You know. I was dying when I was 22 years old. I drank two liters or more of hard liquor a day, and nobody expected me to live to be 25. And now I have the most amazing life working with rock stars, writing best-selling books, traveling all over the world. Anything is possible if you're willing to take the risk. And there are so many people who are there to help you if you just reach out your hand. We are there. I mean, that's what the Rock to Recovery Benefit Show is about, is about showing you that we are there to help you to live this kind of a life. And it kind of gets rid of the notion of sex, drugs, and rock and roll, mm. that you can take out the drug part at least, yeah. and you can have a lot of fun. So. Uh, listen, I want to thank uh, Wes and Constance for coming on the show. The event is Rock to Recovery. It's happening Saturday, August 21st, and it's at the Fonda Theater. And please go online and get tickets. They'd love to see you there. And we are so excited to support your event. Thank you both for coming on the show. And we will. This show furnished by Key Light Counseling Center.